Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostics industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I'm the managing editor of MDDI, an online publication that covers everything related to diagnostics and medical devices. February is American Heart Month, and it's a time where awareness is raised of the risk of heart disease. And it's also a time to remember those that have been lost to to heart disease. Statistics show that more than 650,000 people each year die from cardiovascular disease. And in the vein of American Heart Month, we're going to be speaking with Dr. James Min, the founder and CEO of Clearly, a startup that uses artificial intelligence to help give us a clear picture on cardiovascular disease. This is going to be a riveting conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. Let's talk MedTech with Clearly's Dr. James Min. Well, Jim, welcome to Let's Talk MedTech. It's awesome to speak to you again, and especially during American Heart Month. I don't know if you remember, but we had a conversation uh, that I did for an article in, in MDDI in June about clearly raising $43 million in a Series B round. Uh, yeah, Omar, it's great to hear your voice, and thanks again for having me on the show. Um, you're right. Like um, In some ways, it feels like a lifetime ago, and other in another respect, it feels like we just went to sleep one night and woke up and all this time had passed. But yeah, it's been an exciting time uh, since the close of the round. And uh, thanks again for having us on the show. Sure, sure, sure. Awesome. Awesome to have you here. Um, I want to talk about clearly in a bit. But first, I want to talk about heart disease rates and want to get your take on those and and talk a little bit about the statistics and the problem that we're facing with heart disease. Uh, yeah, I can give you some perspectives like, um, you know, I don't want to just spout off a bunch of numbers, but um, maybe that's what I'll I'll start with. And we could use that as a platform to start discussing it. Um, you know, when we when we talk about heart disease at Clearly, we're focused specifically on coronary heart disease, which is the cause of heart attacks and sudden coronary death. And that um, that is the number one public health epidemic. Um, it's the number one cause of both death as well as morbidity across the world and including uh, in the U.S., and both for men and for women. Um, so that is the, the problem that we're trying to tackle. Um, you know, I think the, what, what we look at it, how we look at it is that, um, you know, the way that we've been doing things in the field of cardiology has been primarily driven by um, a symptom-based evaluation, right? You hear about folks who go in evaluating their chest pain or their shortness of breath, um, where we feel like the the major unmet need is really in the more than 50% of people who will have a heart attack or die from one um, who have no symptoms before their event. And so it's very much a silent killer in the vast majority of people. Like you asked about sort of the numbers and the statistics, like here's how we can frame it. Like there are 40% more cardiovascular deaths across the world every year than there are from all cancers combined. Um, wow. So it really is a huge, huge uh, public health epidemic. And if that doesn't get you, then if you look back to 2020, there were 
twofold more cardiovascular deaths than uh, deaths from COVID-19. That's how big this epidemic is. And, and so we're really trying to raise awareness so that we can get people to understand that this is the silent killer really needs some early diagnosis and prevention. And I think that we can start to use these precision diagnostics tools to really assess people's risks and get them on the right therapies early to prevent heart attacks and sudden coronary death. Well, those are some startling numbers. You know, I'm taken aback by them. That That's, uh, wow, I, I never knew. And when you put it into context like that and you frame it like that, I, it, it's it, it's mind-blowing. I, I, I want to talk about Clearly and how does Clearly fit into this and, and how does it fit into the picture of possibly or potentially preventing some of those deaths? It's a great question. Like, I mean, it's it dates back 20, almost 20 years or so. Like, um, you know, it was sort of a, a natural, clearly it was a natural extension of what we did um, from our former life. So previous to, prior to clearly, I served as a professor of medicine and radiology at Cornell Medical College and the New York Presbyterian Hospital on the Upper East Side of, of Manhattan. And, you know, for the first sort of seven years, six years of my career, I spent a lot of time in the ICU and sort of taking care of patients in the coronary care unit. And at that time, it was the coronary care unit was primarily um, patients who had suffered heart attacks and, you know, were very, very sick. And that's, um, and then we tended to them. At, at some point, like I realized I'm on the wrong side of this curve. Like we are treating patients at the end stage of disease, and you know when they are in extremis, where you know bad things have already happened to them. And so I said, look, I I got to get to the other ex- the side of that continuum and prevent the disease rather than taking care of late stage disease. So in 2013, we started a, a cardiovascular disease prevention program called Heart Health, and Heart Health was um, very much an image based. Um, treatment strategy where we would try to phenotype, characterize, quantify somebody's disease process, and then utilize those those quantitative metrics from non-invasive imaging in order to select therapies to guide intensification or changes in therapies um, in a manner that would get disease early um, at a point where it could be treated and more effectively and to try to tr- um, prevent heart attacks. At the time, like we were using stress tests. Stress tests are these tests where, you you know, somebody will ride a bicycle or go on a treadmill and we'll hook up EKG leads to them and take pictures of their hearts. What those tests are designed to do are to identify people who have heart disease that reduces blood flow in their arteries. But a normal stress test actually doesn't imply that you you don't have disease. It just implies that you don't have disease that limits the blood flow and, and causes chest pain or shortness of breath. And what we found was that, you know, every cardiologist has experienced this, where you have somebody who's had a completely normal stress test, and then you send them home and say that they're fine, only to find out in less than a week they had a heart attack. And it's because the tests weren't designed to find the disease. They were defined to find the flow limitation of the disease. So it's a consequence or a sequela or a surrogate of the disease, but not the actual disease. The actual disease is the plaque buildup that builds up silently in the walls of the heart arteries over many decades. And that is a phenomenon called atherosclerosis or the plaque buildup. And what we realized through a number of clinical trials that we had performed was that there are many different types of disease. Um, and what we needed to do, and some of those types were very dangerous um, and caused heart attacks, and some of them were very stable and actually were protective against heart attacks. 
So what we realized, we leveraged this tool called coronary CT angiograms, which are very safe and rapid, non-invasive tests that allow us to characterize and quantify the type of plaque that somebody has and the amount of plaque that somebody has building up within their arteries. These are the strongest predictors of who will have a heart attack, and they can be treated effectively. What we realized as we were taking care of patients was that it's sort of like what um, the cancer doctors do when they do imaging for preventing breast cancer or preventing lung cancer, preventing colon cancer. The mm-hmm. first thing they do is they stage the disease, right? That's the the yeah. amount, the, the um, presence, the extent, the severity. But one of the most important things they do is classify the type of disease because that allows them to personalize the therapy. And so when we adopted this approach, we realized like, yeah, this is what we should be doing. We should actually measure disease. And if you think about it, heart doctors have actually never measured, directly measured heart disease. They've measured surrogates of disease, um, like the stress tests. So we adopted that at Cornell. We realized that over the course of several years, we didn't see heart attacks once we started treating people's actual disease. And the, the, the nidus and the formation of clearly was because it was a very manual and time-intensive process that would take us up to eight hours to analyze each patient's images. And we realized that it would never scale past um, our own institution's walls. And we wanted to develop automated solutions that could standardize this process so that it could be delivered globally. So clearly, you had to form clearly, in a sense. Yeah, uh, that was exactly it. And, you know, at the time, like we were armed with the clinical knowledge um, that we had derived from all of these large scale multicenter clinical trials that we had done. And then we found a group of um, technical folks, right, people who could do data science and software engineering. And it was that core group of folks who started clearly in 2017. So what do the products look like that are that are coming out of of clearly what are what do the tests look like and and what I mean by that is what kinds of things are you going to the FDA for for regulatory clearance or approval Yeah it's a great question like I mean right now we have two products in the marketplace both that, that are FDA cleared um that try to really address two issues um the first is how do you get this comprehensive disease characterization um, that in a matter, you know, in a manner that could be done clinically rather than taking eight hours for a core lab expert technologist to analyze the images. How can you do it in a matter of minutes um, utilizing, you know, some of these AI enabled uh, machine learning platforms? And then the second. Um, and so we 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 that was the first product that we worked on that was FDA cleared in 2019. And it can do comprehensive disease characterization, quantification and and classification in a matter of minutes rather than hours. Um, that was very helpful. And when you look at the um, the the solution, it's it I think it came out quite nice and it's it's um, impressive in, in the sense that we can really get to the heart of the matter of, you know, how much disease somebody has, what type, where is it, and all of the different metrics that we know to be prognostically important to identify patients at risk. 
the the second product that was cleared in uh, 2020 was really to solve a different problem. Like when we would be reading images um, in in the hospital, we would call our friends in the office who weren't necessarily imagers, but were clinicians taking care of patients. And we talked to them about all these advanced imaging characteristics. And, you know, they'd say like, honestly, Jim, like, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. So why don't you just send me the report because I got to go back to seeing patients. And what we realized was that clinicians who aren't imagers don't really understand the advanced imaging science, nor should they. That's not their job. But we were doing a very poor, poor job sort of handing off the most important information that was derived from these advanced non-invasive imaging tests. And so we realized that we had to create a platform that could help transform this advanced imaging science into clinical insights that any healthcare professional could understand, whether it's a cardiologist with advanced imaging knowledge or whether it's a primary care physician or a general cardiologist or a nurse practitioner. And so that was really the second platform was a data visualization platform that allowed people to be able to ingest and truly understand uh, the power of the imaging um, in a way that they could find useful in daily clinical practice as it pertained to their patients. Wow, that's 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 awesome. And I, I want to ask this question now, and, and this is the $20 million question or maybe the $43 million question. Um, but are you more of a device diagnostic or software company or or perhaps a little bit of all of them? And how do you communicate that uh, to investors? Yeah, it's a great question, Omar. Like, um, you know, as you know, that investors um, like like physicians have certain expertises, right? Like some people are very good at software and some people are very good at med tech or biopharma, um, life sciences and things like that. You know, what we describe to the investors and what we describe to the clinical community is exactly the same message. What we have developed is a digital care pathway. It's a standardized pathway that allows an AI-enabled approach to really improve sort of comprehensive disease characterization, phenotyping, if you will, and then yeah. we translate that uh, imaging science into clinical insights that that um, healthcare professionals can understand. We further translate it for patients to improve their health literacy. And then we're working with the professional societies, the in particular the American College of Cardiology, to develop treatment algorithms that treat actual disease rather than treating surrogates of disease. And then we can finally track the success, the therapeutic success. Um, of our approaches utilizing the software platform again. So it's really this sort of um, closed loop pathway that starts with imaging, but converts it to clinical knowledge for doctors and patients, allows people to act on it um, successfully with treatment, and then to track that therapeutic success over time. So that's what we communicate both to the investors and the cl clinical community, is that we now have a quantitative objective and standardized care pathway um, for treating patients with coronary disease across the entire spectrum from mild to severe. Yeah, and it seems as if investors have been responding, uh, you know, that positively and they're really understanding this message. You know, I go back to the Series B round in June, uh, $43 million. And that was that was a pretty good um, financing or funding raise, especially during the pandemic. It was, you know, I mean, I think that we had a number of secular tailwinds behind us. The 
you know, in uh, November of this past year, we saw the American Heart Association and the American College of Cardiology elevate coronary CT angiograms, that's the test that we apply our technology to, um, to a level 1A recommendation above any other method for evaluation of patients with suspected coronary heart disease. Um, in the same past year, what we saw was the Society of Cardiovascular Computed Tomography um, released a consensus document on using atherosclerosis imaging in a clinical fashion for the first time. So that was really great. And just about a couple of weeks ago, we saw the American Society of Preventive Cardiology also release um, a professional document indicating the, the utility of atherosclerosis imaging to really guide prevention and reduction of heart attacks. So I think we've had, I think there's an increasing awareness in the field of how important it is that we actually measure disease rather than indirect markers of disease. So, you know, we were blessed with that as well as, you know, by the, you know, the 2020 and 21 was a pretty good time for digital health companies to raise capital. Exactly. We saw such an explosion of digital health in, in 20 and 2021. 20, I almost feel like that's just one long year. <laughs> I can't even say them separately. I feel like 2020 just continued on throughout 2021. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of growth uh, on MBDI side. We've seen just so many digital health companies explode, um, become, you know, acquired over the different disciplines, the different sectors of med tech. And it's just amazing to see this explosion right now and what's happening with digital health. I want to shift a little bit and go back to something that you said earlier um, about patient uh, literacy, helping to improve that. And I feel as if we're starting to see this shift in healthcare. Uh, it's becoming more of a consumer driven market. Patients are taking they're taking more ownership of their health they want to be informed they want to know more and we saw a huge shift like this in the cardiovascular market when apple received fda clearance for afib detection on the apple watch a few years back do you see this trend impacting clearly and is this something that the company actively thinks about when designing products or do you think i'm just blowing smoke here and there's no validity to any of this that i just said no, no, I think you're exactly right. Like there's, there's definitely like the, there's an increasing sophistication, right, of the patient in, in the, in healthcare. And we have access to so much knowledge and data through the internet and other, other media forms so that people actually know more. Sometimes they know uh, some, uh, some things, but not others. And so there, there has to be a, I think a more centralized sort of dedicated approach to making sure that the consumer knows sort of what, what they they need, um, but I, I do believe that consumers are very sophisticated and savvy at this point in time, including patients. And you see a lot of healthcare companies really going direct to consumer. Uh, we didn't do that, uh, Omar. Like we, you know, we would we we believe that this company will become the new standard of care and fundamentally change the care paradigm of how we approach patients with um, coronary heart disease who are at risk of of heart attacks. But we do recognize the importance of engaging um, with the the consumer, in this case, 
it's the patient. Mm-hmm. And we see just countless requests and inbound um, communications from patients um, coming to our website saying, hey, I'd like to learn more and where can I get this test? Th- that's great. Like, I mean, it's just great that people are aware and that they want to learn more about their heart and, and create get more actionable data uh, from from the studies that we offer. Um, I think that that's something that we will continue to um, to cultivate, uh, but where we're really focused, I think, more um, than like an Apple going after the consumer is health systems and providers where, you know, we can truly integrate ourselves as the standard of care. Sure. Understood. Understood. How has adoption been so far? Um, are we where we want to be? Room for improvement or or could you give some maybe color to that? Yeah, the adoption has been quite um, surprisingly, um, like it's just been great. Like um, we find just a, a, a very warm reception in the marketplace so far um, for our products and services. And I think that people find I think the major reason is that they see value in it, right? So we believe that we sit um, sort of most appropriately in a value-based healthcare environment, uh, which really focuses on prevention and reduction of healthcare waste. And I think that we've seen a lot of um, enthusiasm. Where we are currently targeting um, is mostly health systems, where we we um, engage with health systems both to evaluate symptomatic patients who have chest pain or shortness of breath like we traditionally have. But what we also do is we engage with them in, in true prevention, where we identify patients who are at risk and um, and diagnose them earlier, get them on good medical therapy and lifestyle changes uh, to prevent heart attacks. We've seen a similar level of enthusiasm from providers as well. So whether that's um, physicians, um, concierge physicians, um, in uh, longevity companies and and we engage with them as well and then finally like we found uh, quite a bit of enthusiasm in um, in utilization management where you know we want to try to use our precision diagnostics tools really to get the right person the right test at the right time or the right therapy at the right time and so working with those companies has been quite um, quite successful as well and uh, finally I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what 2022 holds for Clearly. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think a lot of work, um, but (laughs) a lot of fun work. Um, We spent 2021 really building out a world-class team. And so really proud to sort of sit at the table with these leaders that have joined Clearly, all from very different sort of perspectives and expertise, whether it be, you know, in technology or operations or medical or marketing or communications. I mean, just truly a world-class team of people who have I think about two-thirds of us have been in cardiovascular our whole lives, so there's enough of that domain expertise to understand the questions that are important to answer. And then um, about two-thirds of us have been sort of held leadership positions at hyper-growth healthcare startups, and so there's enough sort of muscle memory of, you know, how to build a company without breaking it and to make sure that we go carefully and quickly, um, but always making sure that um, we deliver best-in-class products. I think 2022 is really around sort of the um, widening the partnership model. And so with the health systems, with the providers, and with some of the utilization management companies really to uh, to expand our commercial footprint and our clinical footprint, um, that's mostly, I think it boils down to it's time to execute. We've built the products and now it's just time to execute. 
Well, Jim, thanks for coming on to Let's Talk MedTech. It's a pleasure to talk to you as always. Uh, look forward to seeing what the future holds for Clearly, and it's just such an awesome conversation. Thanks for thanks for uh, agreeing to do the program. Yeah, Omar, thanks so much for having me on the program again. It's a, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Like, um, you know, I I really appreciate your invite so that we can sort of articulate our purpose of of being, which is to um, to create a world without heart attacks. So thanks again and uh, look forward to our next interaction. Awesome. Sounds good. Take care. Bye-bye now. Now, that was an incredible conversation with Dr. Min. It's amazing to see all the things that clearly is up to. Hey, but before we head out of here, I just want to take a few minutes to talk to you about an upcoming event that I know you don't want to miss. Yes, I'm talking about IME West, the advanced design and manufacturing event, and it will feature Medical Design and Manufacturing West, Westpac, Automation Technology Expo West, Design and Manufacturing West, Plastec West, and CanPack West. These events will return to the Anaheim Convention Center from April 12th through April 14th. And this event is going to be a smart event, enabling registered attendees to research exhibitors and products and access exclusive on-demand content and products before, during, and after the live event. Okay, I've got you all excited about IME West, but how do you register for it? How do you get even more information? Well, I'm going to tell you, just go to west.im.informa.com forward slash 2022. Yes, that's west.im.informa.com informa.com forward slash 2022. And that's all the time we have for this episode. Uh, thanks to uh, Dr. Min for showing up. We appreciate him coming on this episode and talking to us about Clearly. And until next time, we'll see you on Let's Talk MedTech.